And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we move into a Tuesday, a very mediocre Tuesday here on the show. Gary, how are you? Good. Just listening to an audio cut. Let's everybody listen to the audio cut. Hey, let's all listen. Just going through some audio cuts. This is from uh, CNN yesterday. Here we go. All right of 2022, uh, about a month or two before these classified documents were found in his private office here in Washington. Uh, he said, how could this possibly happen? How anyone could be that irresponsible? That's what he said then. And then they discovered these SCI, uh, these very sensitive classified documents at his private office in Washington. Right. I, look, I'm sure that he meant that. And it also looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to we'll get to more of that, but I just Martin Short all over again. I know it looks bad. I mean, what? What? I mean, is it me? <laughs> we'll get. I mean, when uh, I saw that yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, I went, "Wow, that's a I mean, that's a huge political gift." Here's a question I have: hmm. Is that why the Department of Justice has not? filed any charges against trump because mm. they knew about this and they realized that it would look like a two-tier justice system if they went after now we said it from the very beginning uh and i was listening to uh representative comer yesterday he said mm-hmm. from our investigation every single president has brought home every single one has has brought home uh, uh, uh classified documents right Every single one right. has taken him out of the White House. You know, right. Ex-presidents, excuse right. me, right. Yeah. Uh, has has uh, has done it. He said, you know, so and we had said you know, that selective. We've always viewed it and said that selective prosecution. And we said, look, we see what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, okay, technically we can get him. Well, technically you can get Biden. Technically, you could technically, go after any former president you wanted on right, this. That, I guess that have, if you want to go after them, you can go after them. Right. But the fact is, you don't. You negotiate these things. Right. Is what you do. Mm-hmm. And now that you've had these highly se- – because the argument that it takes away is you've had these highly sensitive documents for six years. Yeah. Not a year. Right. Six years. Mm-hmm. 
And where's the National Archive? How come they didn't know that these things existed? What's going right. on? Right. If they knew everything about Trump, how come they didn't know about this? I right. mean, there's so many questions that are brought up. But what, what, what you look at and you say, okay, the, when you, when you just look at it from the, the, the broad brush, all right, you're going after Trump. You're going to go after Biden. You're going to go after everybody else who has, has it. You gave, for example, oh, I can't think of his name. Remember the guy that went in and, uh, oh, I got mine blank here from the Clinton administration went in and, and actually took classified information from the archives. In, oh, order, in order to protect right. the president, I just can't right. think of his name at the moment here. Yeah, and he got a slap on the hand, mm-hmm. you know, for for doing it. So right. it isn't even when you even when you do something like that, when you're at a particular. Remember, he didn't get. I just can't think of his name. Remember, he didn't get uh, his classified uh, authority permanently taken away. Right. It was only temporary. It was only temporary. Yeah, you could get it right. back again. It was yeah. just like what? It's like what? And and so when you look at it, I mean, this was such a gift. It was such a gift to the Republicans because it takes another talking point from the the, the Democrats away. Yeah, takes- uh, you know, and, and we talked about it early on with the whole Mar-a-Lago raid, and said, look, uh, there there could be a play here by the DOJ if they wanted to come out and say, look, we didn't like the way we had to go get these documents, but we believed that it was important to retrieve these documents given the nature, blah, 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 blah. But that's it. There is, we don't see anything else that we're going to pursue here. We got the documents we're looking for, and we're moving on. And then just dangle that over Trump's head. Hey, it was so bad, we had to send the FBI into your home at Mar-a-Lago. That's not what they did. Now we've got a special prosecutor assigned. And the question is, now what do you do? Yeah, you go to the courts is what you do. Unless they're nuclear secrets, you go right. to court. Right. And they weren't, remember, they weren't nuclear secrets. Remember that, remember that mm-hmm. whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you uh, you had a number of Republicans come out, even Kevin McCarthy come out and saying, well, see? Uh, uh, McCarthy uh, uh, says, well, the Democrats overplayed their hand on, uh, on, on that one. Well, look, if you're going to come out and you're going to, if the Republican Party, now that they have the House and he is the, uh, speaker, the de facto speaker of the house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now he is the speaker of the house, uh, and you believe now, okay, you've got you you've got that position where people will listen. Then you need to start talking. You need to start attacking Jeffries on a consistent basis, because Je- you know because uh, when you saw Hakeem Jeffries come out and just pound on the Republicans, my God, you have got you can absolutely pound the. De- when it comes to the whole thing of uh, if you want to play politics with the whole election uh, denialism, yeah, well, you just right. you can pound on Jeffries. Where was it? I say uh, Syracuse University uh, did a. Uh, oh, well, let me just find it here. So many, so many things. When I, when I saw this, I'm like, boy, everything's everything's coming out here at the same time. Uh, but it was a. Uh, Oh, I can't find it. Mm. It's probably right there on top. That, that's where, where, it's, <laughs> where it's where it normally is here. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, no, it's not. I'm going through it. No, it's not Joe Biden telling the Salvation, Salvation Army. Oh my god! He spent time with the Secret Service. Uh, 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 no, it's not that one. Um, I seriously. And the look on that guy's face that he's talking to—it's like, oh my gosh. 
you don't know where you are right now. I can't find what I was looking for. You think Biden was wondering why the guy didn't salute him? <laughs> no, I'm I'm Salvation Army. <laughs> That's right, you're Salvation. That's no joke. No joke, man. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, he was absolutely not there in that moment. Yeah, I thought I printed it up. It 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 uh, it was uh, an, an analysis that was uh, done mm-hmm. and and a study that was done saying the Russian influence was nothing. Yeah. And the and it's a Syracuse University doing it that the Russian influence in the 2016 election was nothing. And and so if if Republicans are going to pound on on that, they need to pound on that study. They need to pound on the fact that the entire the entire Donald Trump colluded with the Russians was a creation. They need to promote this day in and day out, especially in, a, uh, you know, uh, attacking the arguments of Hakeem Jeffries mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You're the biggest election denier. Hillary Clinton, you guys, the Democrats, you actually created this entire thing. In fact, in the study that they looked at, they said that the what hurt more than anything were the Republic or were, excuse me, were the Democrats promoting the false narrative that the 2016 election was stolen right yeah i'll get to that story here coming up I just, you were thinking uh, of sandy burger earlier sandy burger yes mm-hmm. thank you so yeah. much thank you thank you yes. yeah yes but if you you know on that whole thing on classified documents if the will is there you can go after any former president go after let's see what obama took to chicago yeah you know, go, um, go through every presidential library, go to every well, let's, go throughout every presidential home, go through every, because let's go to the National Archives and see what they had know of and don't know of. You know, I mean, there was so much made about this is the thing that the media does is they'll they'll shed some light on something going on with Trump. And then people are learning about it for the first time, about you know, the the general public. And they're learning about it for the first time. That this happens with, in this case, all former presidents. And yet the media focus is as if it's never been done before. I don't know how many times they've done that with Trump. Not with classified documents, of course, but with other other items along the way. And they pretend like it's brand new. It's unprecedented. And, you know, I mean, a former A.G. Barr came out and said, look, he fully expects them to indict, blah, blah, blah. He'd been saying that for a while. Uh, Not recently. I haven't heard anything recently. But he said something to the effect of you can't keep those documents, you know, at at Mar-a-Lago, especially Mar-a-Lago, because it's a resort. Look, there are let's look at the movement of documents, classified documents with ex-presidents. Let's follow all of the trails, every single one, and see what looks right and what doesn't look right. And I would, by the way, I would expect that from a former AG, right? You know, he's going to be a by-the-book guy. Okay, well, no, you can't do that. Well, the others couldn't do that either. The question is, is there a political will to go after anyone else? Well, yesterday changed everything on that front. Right. Now, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, Special prosecutor will behave differently, you know, than than, you know, what we all expect 
to happen or quite possibly an indictment coming down. I don't know. I I still would put a dollar in that corner if I were going to bet. But if you do that, there's just absolutely no other way. You're sealing the door shut on that whole. Uh, we're just going after Trump because he's Trump. Starting with the Russian hoax. Yeah, and, and that's so. But if you, but if the Republicans are going to make hay out of this one, they've got a pound. Especially with Jeffries being the minority leader of the House, yeah, they've got a pound because he is the biggest. He was one of the biggest promoters that you know Trump colluded with the Russians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It stole the election. Yeah. It was, and, and in fact, there, uh, when I find this article, it's really interesting because it goes through a ton of different. It was in National Review. That's where I saw it. Okay, was he I, one I, of the ones saying between the election in 2016 and the time Trump was inaugurated? Was he one of the ones that said? We're going to impeach as soon as we can. There were two or three. I don't know if he was or yeah, not. I don't remember. But he was yeah. early on on board right. with the, the Russian yeah. hoax. And, and that was, we're going to impeach him. Yeah, we're going to impeach him as soon as he becomes president. Right. Was the was the mindset that you heard. I don't know if he was one of the ones. Yeah, that, I can't that, remember if that he actually was. said that. But if, if you're going to if, if you're going to attack the the one thing that the public remembers is is uh you know Trump colluded with the Russians to hack and uh, change the outcome of the election and when you look at how many people in this article we'll find it here in a little bit goes through the number the things that we had talked about how many democrats believed that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president mm-hmm. and how long it went on and the fact that this study found out that the democrats promoting that false narrative is what really took out confidence that the system actually works and they were promoting a lie they were promoting something that actually was created by the democrats as we know hillary clinton and so they need to promote that they need to democrats mm-hmm. need to pound on that over and over again they need to challenge jeffries and say hillary clinton was the one that created that lie and you people kept that lie going yep. it was a lie it never happened yep. you guys financed and created the lie you democrats did that they need to promote this stuff, and they don't promote it. And sorry, Democrat and Republicans, if you don't promote it, I don't know who's going to. I don't know who you're waiting for. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, when I saw this, I went, what a political gift. Unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff coming up today. we got a great show. Mm-hmm. 86690-RED-EYE. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Your truck's inability to crank at the proper speed is the most obvious sign that a battery-related issue is present. If you experience any sluggishness when cranking your engine, get a full electrical system check from a trusted service provider. Continuing to crank a vehicle with low or inadequate voltage will damage the starter and can cost you uptime down the road. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So a little more uh, uh, commentary from, well, CNN <laughs> yeah, and, right. and their analysis of the 
entire top secret materials that uh, they found uh, that Biden had for six years. Uh, but uh, that coming up, mm. the House votes to rescind billions in funding for the IRS. Just so people understand, that's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's right. not nothing's going to happen yeah. with that. I mean, yeah, that's it's. Uh, I guess it's okay to flex, but uh, both Republicans in the House and and I think everybody needs to understand that's not going to happen yep. as long as the the Republicans don't make it sound like a promise they're going to be able to fulfill. You know, and so far, I guess I haven't heard it to yeah, that you're, extent. You're, you're getting people. You're getting people on record is what you're doing. Yep. I mean, here's what you yep. voted for the IRS agents. Yep. We did not. Right. Uh, we tried to rescind it, and you did not. Uh, also, there is really some uh, uh, interesting statistics. By the way, I said the Syracuse University was on the voters. The Syracuse University, I believe, uh, analysis uh, was on um, the uh, who the IRS targets. Mm. I mm. believe it was, mm. uh, and it's uh, you're more likely to be targeted by the IRS for an audit if you make twenty five thousand dollars a year than if you make. One million, and that's what the Democrats are going after. Mm. They're going after the lower incomes. They're going after the unreported income yep. of right. lower income workers because they know that's where we believe we can get the money. They want to go after this whole cash under the table. Yep, uh, cash it. jobs, and yeah. and uh, that's something that they were looking at, and, and clearly was a move. You know, when they floated the idea of of earmarking every deposit of six hundred dollars or more right. and then try to say that was about the millionaires and well these millionaires are hiding that's not about millionaires no they're not going after the millionaires because the millionaires have tax lawyers that do their taxes right and and so when the tax lawyers do it for the most part they follow the rules mm-hmm. Because yeah. they don't do their own taxes, the tax lawyers do it. Right. When you get to, and that's where the Democrats looked at it. And it's funny, what I find interesting, Eric, is the argument going on. And the argument is, uh, well, uh, we'll, we're, we'll be able to, the, uh, by the information we fed the C, CBO, uh, we're going to be able to collect an extra, I I'm, can't remember what the number was, mm-hmm. $200 billion over the next 10 years mm-hmm. uh, that will go to fund very important things. That's the mm-hmm. argument on the uh, left. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans, by rescinding the IRS uh, uh, agents, will mean uh, that the deficit will grow higher. Mm-hmm. And then the Republican argument is, uh, yeah, but you're not going after the rich, you're going after the poor. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Right. Which which side in, in the in the populist mindset in this country, which one wins? Right, exactly. You know, and we talked about that with uh, you mentioned you brought up uh, yesterday uh, the flat tax and just the case for the flat tax. Just the mindset is probably more favorable right now than it's ever been. Not that we expect it to happen, but the the mindset is more favorable right now than it has ever been because of things like this. If more and more people believe, especially if people making $25,000 a year, believe that the IRS is coming after them, then you've got a big, big problem. Well, the flat tax still doesn't get you past that. Right. It doesn't get you past unreported income. Mm -hmm. uh, But that's why, but the sales tax would. But it's the process, yeah, it's the process, yeah, well, right, the The, the the sales sales tax, tax, national sales tax. Yeah, Um, but But the process would change drastically. 
and that would be the idea. I mean, right. if you're going to do it right, because you're because the, what you do is you take away a ton of deductions, mm-hmm. and the, the the deductions also is one of the reasons that people get audited. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is, and and so what we've what we've got is an IRS, but it's not just that; it's an IRS now that, as we saw, what the IRS did with conservative groups, nonprofits. Right. The other thing is, we know the Democrats want to attack organized religion. Yeah. They want to attack people they don't agree with, whose opinions they disagree with, and take away their tax exempt status. Mm-hmm. You don't need the IRS weaponized, and the only way you do that is to go to a sales tax. We're not ready yet, but the argument is better than it's ever been. Right. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Now, when mm. we when we say this, when when we say what we're going to say here, understand that we believe that the major thing that Republicans should be pounding on are things like they did yesterday. You pound on the IRS. You pound on. You pound on the things that that uh, affect people. You talk about inf- you. You pound on inflation. You pound on uh, the border. Uh, you pound on energy. You do all those things that you know that the public agrees with you on. Uh, and and thanks to somebody who wrote me the other day, they said, you know, that's what Reagan believed. I go, well, yeah, I know, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate you remembering mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Reagan believed you took five or six things and you pounded it. You know, you know where you get the win, and you pound where you can get the win. And when you look at Democrats. Right now, there isn't one topic where they don't have to lie on. On energy, they have to lie to you. you know? Yep. They have to tell you that we can run our society on solar and wind. Mm-hmm. We all know that's impossible. You can't do it. We we talked yesterday about what happened over Christmas. And the people in the southeast had, you know, bl- had blackouts. Uh, why? Because the public has voted for politicians. This is what the public wanted. You didn't want it. I didn't want it. And when I say you, I meant Eric and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and our listeners, mm-hmm. you didn't want it, but the majority of people in this country voted for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. I want to live in a clean... What? We don't have power? Who the hell d- decided this? They wanted, you know, they wanted both ways. You know, we talked about the fact that people are sick and tired of inflation, but they want the government to bail them out. They want they want the government to do it exactly what got us the inflation. Yeah. And, right. and you know, that's that's what you're dealing with right now. That's going to be the Republicans' biggest challenge. But you hit still all the issues where you know they agree with you. But you also have to attack, you know, what has happened. You cannot you cannot look and say that the whole election denial topic doesn't exist. It does right. exist out right. there. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to pound on it because now you're the speaker of the house. You're not the minority. Mm-hmm. You're the speaker of the house. You're going to get covered more. And when you go after Hakeem Jeffries, as you should, uh, I believe it will be effective to not only hit all the things that are of substance to the American people, but everything that surrounds it that also is important to the American public. And it was uh, Dan McLaughlin wrote it, another setback for the Democrats' stolen election conspiracy theory. 
Let me just read a couple of paragraphs. Leading Democrats and their side's prominent media voice has spent years advancing the conspiracy theory. They shouldn't say conspiracy theory. It's now a lie. Yeah. A lot of times a conspiracy theory is where we disagree with Dan how we wrote it. Mm. A conspiracy theory is something that hasn't been proven or disproven yet. Right. Uh, This was a lie. It was advancing the lie that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election with the assistance of the Russian government. And he says, I've rounded because up from the beginning. It was a lie and it was a lie that was created. It was a lie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was, right. it was never at any time a conspiracy. Theory. No, it was a frame up. Uh, I've wondered uh, I've rounded up at length the evidence of their doing this most recently here uh, with regard to new House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. The post links to several others and at great length here setting figures of the ahem, uh, ahem, far left fringe, such as Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, and John Lewis. And it worked. Democratic voters ate up ate up uh, this stuff. A December 2016 YouGov poll found 52% of Democrats believed that it was probably or definitely true that Russia tampered with vote tallies in order to get Donald Trump elected president. By March of 2019, remember, we had covered this for the longest time, mm-hmm. the number had risen uh, to 67%. Now, remember, that was by late March of 2019. Three years and three months later, because of everything that we went through, the Mueller investigation, 67% of Democrats believed that Russia tampered with vote tallies in order to get Donald Trump elected president. There wasn't any evidence of that whatsoever. And we know that when the uh, the allegations uh, finally were investigated, what we found out is that the Democrats and Hillary Clinton financed and created the lie and sold the lie to law enforcement and sold the lie to the media. Democrats have, excuse me, Republicans have to come out and state it that succinctly yeah that's how you right. that's how you state it mm-hmm. by march of 2019 that number had risen to 67 percent the associated press in march of 2017 touted a gen forward poll of americans aged 18 to 30 finding the majority of young adults this is all young adults across republican democrat independent see trump's presidency as illegitimate including about three-quarters of blacks and large majorities of Latinos and Asians. A 2018 political science review of survey data found that many Democrats think that the 2016 election result was rigged. Why did they? Because the Hillary campaign and the DNC financed and created a lie, sold it to to the FBI, sold it to the media, and they ran with it. But they all knew. There was never any evidence. Otherwise, they would have presented it, Mm -hmm. and it didn't exist. Max Boot of the Washington Post argued in 2018, I remember when he used to call himself a conservative, without the Russians, Trump would not have won. Outside experts who examined the Kremlin campaign, which included stealing and sharing Democratic Party emails, spreading propaganda online, and hacking state voter rolls, have concluded that it did uh, affect an extremely close election decided by fewer than 80,000 votes in three states. 
Clint Watts, a former FBI agent, writes in his recent book, Messing with the Enemy, that Russia absolutely influenced the U.S. presidential election, especially in Wisconsin and Michigan, where Trump's winning margin was less than 1% in each state. That's a lie. It never happened. That never, all the allegations there mm-hmm. never happened. Uh, and then they, they, he continues to uh, uh, talk about objective viewers. Uh, 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 he says object, objective viewers is quite the touch because if they said objective viewers believe this, which, mm-hmm. again, they weren't objective. Mm-hmm. Today, however, the Washington Post's own cybersecurity columnist Tom Stark Tim Stark offers a reality check. Russian influence operations on Twitter in the 2016 presidential election reached relatively few users, most of whom were highly partisan Republicans, and the Russia accounts had no measurable impact on changing minds or influence voter behavior, according to a study out uh, uh, this morning. The study, which the New York University Center for Social Media and Politics helmed, explores the limits of what Russian disinformation and misinformation was able to achieve on one major social media platform in the 2016 election. My personal sense coming out of this is that it got way overhyped, said Josh Tucker, one of the report's authors, who was also co-director of New York University Center, told me about the meaningfulness of the Russian tweets. Now we get back to looking at data, and we can see how concentrated this was in one small portion of the population and how the fact that people who were being exposed to this were really, really likely to vote for Trump. Tucker said, and then we have this data to show we can't find any relationship between being exposed to these tweets and people's changes in attitudes. Now, that is, you know, the Russian influence through tweets or Facebook or whatever, which right, was a hundred right. thousand uh, dollars or a hundred yeah, thousand on Facebook. It was a hundred thousand dollar campaign. Right. And we said back then, look, yes. what is the real saturation here? What is the actual influence here? It's limited at best. <clears throat> It's minimal, right. if even and, measurable, and that was and that was the one part of that. That was the one right. part of it that was. Right. But, but the other part of it, the reason that you went to sixty-seven percent of Democrats believing that Trump was an illegitimate president because he stole the election, and you know because that's where it went to. It didn't just go to Russia disinformation mm-hmm. that was minuscule that they're touching here. It was that Trump was colluding with the Russians mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. steal votes, right? And that, and that continued for three years. Why? Because of the Mueller report, because of Adam Schiff, because of Nancy Pelosi. Because all, of the actions of Hillary and the DNC. Be, right. And, promoting you know, at the, beginning promoting and, the lie mm-hmm. that the DNC and Hillary Clinton created. In fact, Tucker suggests that Democrats running with Russians hack the election did more damage to our political system than the Russian efforts themselves. One of the potential impacts was indirect, Tucker said. It opened the door for people to doubt that President Biden defeated Trump in 2020. That campaign may have been more successful for reasons that it didn't set out to be successful, but by getting caught and having all this discussion. Hmm. Was, but tell us again, Democrats, why it's perfectly harmless when your side peddles stolen election theories and backs them with the investigative machinery of the federal government and... What he's forgetting here, though, in this whole point, you can't forget it, is the whole fact that the Hillary Clinton campaign of the DNC then financed and created a lie and sold it to the FBI and to the media, which they ran along with. And all Democrats 
ran along with it, too. Yeah. There wasn't one Democrat that said, look, the evidence doesn't exist here. These are all allegations. Let's find the evidence. They all agreed with it. Mm-hmm. They all ran they with ran the lie. With all of them ran with yes. All of them ran with it. Right. You never had that with Republicans. No. You never had everybody running with it. Well, look, you had um, in in 2017, at the beginning of 2017, as Trump was coming into office, you had Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats on board still spreading that lie, still spreading that conspiracy. 2017. And saying, they, they did 2017, 2018, 2019. Well, I'm yeah. saying as they were as they were coming in, as he was yeah. coming in, they sounded like uh, uh, what the Democrats want you to believe was going on on, you know, around January 6th. They were talking about how, you know, because remember all the Republicans uh, in uh, in the in January 21 that were saying, OK, um, uh, we're going to we're going to protest this. We're going to protest that. And they were pretending like that had never happened. You only have to go back to 2017 and you had Nancy Pelosi saying Trump was not a legitimate president. Right. I mean, this was not a small thing. They were on board from the top down on this narrative. And then the next thing you know, you've got Mueller assigned on nothing. Nothing. Go see if you can find anything. Yep. And also, anything else you do find that's not related along the way also bring that up which exactly exactly what he did in fact that's the only stuff that really stuck because he found nothing on russian collusion there were no americans involved that's what Mueller found so they had to make up well the obstruction we're not going to deal with that right right (laughs) yeah no i mean you think about if you think about how wide this is and and we talked about this then and along the way that historians it's not going to be about the hate historians are going to look back at the events Mm -hmm. at what happened what was said what actually was found and they'll look back at this and i don't know how long it will take but one day they'll look back at this and say wait a minute how did this come to be where did this actually even start? And we know Mueller didn't go all the way back. Why? Well, because it would have led back to the time that he was FBI director. He wasn't going to go back. He was going to go back to the 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 beginning of the um, uh, the whole thing of of how the warrants on on Carter Page came to be and and the entire backstory there. Why wouldn't you start at the beginning? Every investigation should start there. And all of these, I mean, the narrative from the left, which is why, you know, to your point on Hakeem Jeffries, look, you want election deniers, you want people who were uh, uh, floating this Russian hoax thing. Well, now he leads their party in the House. Yep, absolutely. You go after it. And all along the way, they had the top members of their party as a part of this. And it's time to quit. You know, it's time to stop sitting all this sitting on all this and pretending like it it isn't there right you can do everything you can still talk the five six issues yep. you need to talk yep. about 
and do this. You can walk yep. and chew gum at the same time. Absolutely. Well, maybe they, hopefully well, they can walk and chew gum at, at the same time. At least they can stand and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> we know that. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Yeah, Hakeem Jeffries being the minority leader is just gold for the Republicans uh, if they use his past correctly against him. Right. The accurate yeah, right. past against him if yeah. they if they use it. If if Republicans just tell the truth, they've got a great shot of winning like, and well, broadening their base. We've in been saying for years all they have to do is point. Yep. You know, they've got a number of things working for them, but yeah, just tell the truth. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you choose. If you can't listen live overnight, one of our great affiliate radio stations. All right, so as we were uh, 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 talking uh, about uh, the uh, minority leader of the House, hmm. Akeem Jeffries, who uh, technically, I guess, would have replaced Nancy Pelosi if she would have stayed a speaker. And, you know, state well, been a speaker, and then just they had voted her in as minority leader. But uh, she decided not to do it, so he took over, and we were talking about reading a National Review article on it and how susceptible he is uh, because of, of his past and what he has done hmm. to Republican attacks. And as I was just... Okay, I was like, okay, I've gone through National Review, and then I just saw one more story there that talked about Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes mm. over the weekend mm. and her curious comments about the House leader, speaker, uh, speakership election. And this is how, this is, for example, this is how the mainstream media will take something that actually isn't true, but if you're not sharp enough, you go, oh, oh, those Republicans and This is horrible. Here's what she said. The historic chaos in the House of Representatives this past week. Leslie Stahl said this. The historic chaos in the House of Representatives this week, this past week, embarrassed not only a party, but an entire nation. A small minority blocked the House from electing a leader or even swearing in its own members. That's false. It wasn't a small minority. Why? How do we know that? Uh, because no Democrat voted for McCarthy. Mm-hmm. All the Democrats voted for Hakeem Jeffries. Mm-hmm. 
So it was a majority of the House that kept McCarthy from being speaker for a couple of days. It wasn't a minority. Now, it's my- the, the same kind of math that we had to do when the whole thing was going on with Manchin. Yeah. One person is. No, it's not one person. No. Nope, it's not. Uh, but, you know, let's forget, it, you know, we it might, just, it might have been one. The math. Right. It might have been one Democrat with Manchin. Exactly. But, but they, can't, they couldn't right. say that, could they? <laughs> no, they <laughs> one couldn't. One Democrat. But it was 50 mm-hmm. Republicans. Yeah. Which gave them 51. Can you imagine if Manchin had uh, uh, gone full cinema before all that happened and, and become an independent? They would have just an independent one independent is they they certainly would have gone after him then. Um, but no, uh, you don't do the whole math when you're on the left. And Leslie Stahl and, right. and the folks at 60 Minutes, this is this is how they behave. And that's the whole, what they're trying to what they're trying to do. They're trying to put out the thing that the Republicans uh, wish to have a government where the minority controls a majority. Yeah, right. Which, of course, isn't the case. Right. But that's what they that's what they expect. But no, the reason that. McCarthy didn't get uh, the speakership for a couple of days was because a majority of Congress Mm -hmm. did not want him for a particular period of time to be Speaker of the House. It wasn't a minority of Congress. It was a majority of Congress. Yeah, I mean, uh, because you mentioned earlier, you mentioned Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. And I thought, well, he's he's for a few days there last week. He was co-minority leader. Well, if you, for a few days, he might have been the, he was the plurality, plurality leader. Plurality leader, if yeah. there is such a thing, right. Um, no, but again, just dismiss the math. And, you know, and uh, look, uh, if you want to break it down, there are many ways to go after it and do the actual math. And, and the actual issues, if 60 Minutes wanted to. And we had our issues with what was happening. And, and not that... People uh, were holding off in in their support for uh, McCarthy. It was how they were doing it, and and what and the points that they were trying to make, which were for at least a couple of them all over the place. And you know we broke that down then, and and now that's that's behind us. But if you're sixty minutes, just do the partial math. And do what they have been doing on the left, uh, you know, for a long time. Well, one person, you know, they use this math at every turn, right? Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have a Senate. Why should the states with a very small population get two senators and California only has two? You know, Robert Reich, it's racist. Ah! Everything is racist. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, coming from an old white guy. <laughs> it's all racist. Everything must be racism. Uh, the entire system is broke. We're not getting our way. And, you know, electoral, but, whatever it right, is, electoral but, college. But that's, uh, a, that's a lie, as we know. Of course it is. As as we know, the, the uh, Senate was set up. So uh, you had, in order to keep the, in order to keep a country together, you have to have representation. The founding fathers understanding that one of the reasons they were leaving Great Britain, one of the major reasons was what? Taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. 
duh, this isn't rocket science. And so what they're saying, well, wait a minute, uh, we're, we're Great Britain. Why should the 13 colonies have any say? You right. shouldn't have any say. What you think shouldn't be important. You should not have representation that can, you know, the representation that can give you any clout in the British Empire. Well, the founding fathers looked at that and said, we think that's bad. So we think smaller portions of, of, of the, the country, we should have a bicameral legislature. One that gives you representation. Do you mean by caramel? By caramel, I'm sorry. By or caramel. Uh, <laughs> by 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 caramel. The by caramel legislature. <laughs> oh my god. It was I'm telling you, the that bi- actually happened. The by caramel legislature is so <laughs> delicious. And remember, multiple times. Yeah. No, it, it, it repeat she repeated that. By caramel, by caramel, by caramel. Uh, but the, uh, you know, and, and so we'll have, we're going to have two houses. We're going to have the House, we're going to have the Senate. And the House will represent the country based on population, which is why California has a ton more uh, representatives in the, the, the House. And each state will get two senators. Overall, in the legislative system, California still has more clout than a Rhode Island or a Wyoming. I think Wyoming just has one congressperson. Mm. Mm-hmm. They still have more clout overall and more influence, but you make it so in one part of the legislature that a state has representation and some kind of clout to represent their interest, knowing that if you don't, do that, it's going to be impossible to keep the union together. If people don't have representation, if people have no control over what goes on in the federal level of the federal government, they're more likely to leave. Right. They have no stake in the game. You're right. just telling me what to do. I have I, I don't have control. Our state doesn't have control of anything that the federal government deems. Federal government can say, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. Yeah. And we don't have that sounding board or that representation to do something about it. Uh, Wyoming has two senators. It's one House seat. They have a House seat at large in Wyoming. Well, I know they have two senators. Yeah. Every state does. Yeah. You said earlier you think they have one senator. Oh, no. I meant, Maybe you my, I, I meant one House member. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. Every every state has two senators. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said Senate instead of no. We'll, we'll we'll point out. We'll just put on our leftist hat for a moment. That's wrong. <laughs> they only get yeah. one House seat. Well, they they shouldn't have two senators. Right. Yeah. That would be it. And, right. And, and yeah, but that's the the whole. Pur- well, the purpose of the Constitution was really. To, you know, to protect, number one, the individual who is te- the individual. I mean, the Bill of Rights is about protecting the individual. Because the individual is viewed, the individual is a minority. Yeah. The masses right. are the majority and indivi- individual rights are protected. The whole Constitution was based on that. It's the opposite of being racist. It's recognizing the individual who is the minority, and it's recognizing that representation must be had for everyone. So 
so they can feel like they're part of the country right. because they understood what started the revolution against the British Empire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's these, uh, you know, whether it's a Robert Reich, and remember, we talk about Robert Reich. Robert Reich believes that the health care plan should let old people die. Now that he's getting older, I don't know if he still agrees with that. <laughs> we could play the audio for him <laughs> as a reminder as as to what he thought back then. I'd love to know if he still thinks that. It'd be great. Look, uh, you've got a terminal disease here, and we could keep you alive for a couple more months and be extremely healthy. But could you play that audio cut from Berkeley? Yeah, from two thousand seven. And he said, "You know, you old people, we're not going to spend that money." Right. On on medicine, we're going to let you go home and die. Yeah. So you is do you have this feeling towards yourself? Now, we can keep you alive and, you know, it's an indeterminate amount of time. Could be six months, could be a year, but you'll be relative. And by the way, you know something I I actually went I actually went through that. Mm. I actually yeah. went through that with my old radio host. Yeah. My old radio host. He was younger than me. Uh, my my former <laughs> my uh, the, the the late Mark Stone mm-hmm. when I worked in. Uh, uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Yeah, and you know he, you know he had uh, testicular cancer that metastasized, mm. and and uh, he, uh, I can still remember the drive. Still remember the drive going going to my house in Navarre, and he was talking to me about it. He says, "I need you to, I need you because my his his mother and his mother was alive and his brother, but he goes, they're too emotional. You know, what do you think I should do?" And it was basically the, he had just gone through like, I don't know, months of chemotherapy mm-hmm. operations. He, I mean, he had a mm-hmm. scar from, you know, almost from the top of his leg, all, you know, the all the way, you know, to his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Huge incision. So many tumors were removed from him. And they said he was clear. And then he went back a couple months later. And they said, you have to go through it all over again. But if you do, you know, they, they said, you, there's a... Uh, there's a, uh, uh, I think they gave him like a 70%, 70-30 chance that he could live another, I think it was two years. Hmm. And he said he didn't want to do it. Right. He said it's The just, treatment was too much. He said too much. And he was only, at that time, he would have been 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I told him, I said, I cannot put myself in your position because I don't know what it's like. Now, I was, the, the first chemotherapy sessions, I was there with him. And then, then after when I actually lost my job and ended up moving to to Texas, mm-hmm. so we still kept in contact. This is in the uh, mid to late eighties, um, but I went through the first round of chemotherapy, and it wasn't it wasn't pleasant at all, you know, because he didn't want his family, his mother, his brother. He didn't they can't handle it. You be here. It's like okay, yeah. Um, and I just said I I can't tell you what to do. All I can tell you is. If I had to go through three months of hell to have a clean two years, I would I would do it. I, I knowing me, I probably would do it. And so he did it, and he lived like three. Hmm. And it was relatively good. I mean, it was, it was relatively good for those three years. Hmm. And and so um, you know, those are. But a decision that he would make with his doctors and family and friends, and, right? Exactly, and yeah. not somebody. Hmm. Uh, that not not doesn't not a, know him and doesn't not a know bean, not a bean counter. Well, that's it because at some point someone's got to decide what's going to be afforded, right? And that's exactly what Robert Reich 
mm-hmm. was talking about and Democrats were talking about back then and still promote if you give them a chance. Like I said, Rice, though, is, uh, would be <laughs> 15 years older now than yeah. he was back. He looked old back then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Remember that, though, in the crowd of Berkeley? Yeah. When he said two things are going to happen. You're young. You're going to have to pay more. And there's just yeah. a smattering, smattering of, of applause, applause at Berkeley. Young crowd. And then right. old people, we're going to let you go home so you can die. There was more cheering for yeah. letting old people die. Because I'm never going to be old. <laughs> I'm not even thinking it through right now. Yay. <sighs> 866 red eye Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. Before you even head out onto slippery roads or snowy conditions, you need to make sure your vehicle is ready to go. Some equipment is especially important when driving in winter. Ensure that the heater and defroster are working properly and that all exhaust system connections are secure. A loose connection could cause carbon monoxide to leak into the vehicle. Check to see that the cooling system is full and there is enough antifreeze. It's recommended that you use an antifreeze that is rated for negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Confirm that all lights are working properly and that they're clear of snow, ice, and dirt. Check to make sure the wiper blades are in good condition and that you have enough washer fluid in the reservoir. It's also important to use washer fluid that is rated for cold temperatures. Finally, Check that battery cables are firmly connected and are not corroded. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Personalized savings on commercial truck insurance with Smart Hall from Progressive. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Not available in all states or situations. The team at Mercer Transportation would like to say Merry Christmas and... It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Okay, we got to play the, the Robert Reich audio yeah, cut. Yeah. As soon as we, we broke, I looked at you and I said, i got to play it because we've played it so many times since 2007, when this, yeah. 2007, 2008, when this came out, mm-hmm. that we just assume everybody knows the audio cut, and they don't. We, right. we have new listeners all the time. So here's Robert uh, Reich that we were mentioning uh, earlier on basically saying if you're honest, you know, if you're an honest Democrat mm-hmm. uh, and you will tell the and you're running for president and you don't care if you get elected. So you tell the American public the truth of what our health care system has to be like. Mm-hmm. Here we go. In other words, this is what the truth is. And a candidate will never say. But what candidates should say if we were in a kind of democracy where citizens were honored in terms of their practice of citizenship and they were educated in terms of what the issues were and they could separate myth from reality uh, from in terms of what candidates would tell them. Thank you so much for coming this afternoon. I'm so glad to see you and uh, I would like to be president. Let me tell you a few things on health care. Uh, look, we are we have the only health care system in the world that is designed to avoid sick people. And that's true. And what I'm going to do is I am going to try to reorganize it to be uh, more amenable to treating 
sick people, but that means you, particularly you young people, uh, particularly you young healthy people, you're going to have to pay more. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and by the way, uh, we are going to have to, if you're very old, we're not going to give you all that technology and all those drugs for the last couple of years of your life to keep you maybe going for another couple of months. It's too expensive, so we're going to let you die. <laughs> and Woo! Says, did you hear that? Woo! Yeah! Now, I, old now, people. I have no idea what he means. He says that we have a healthcare system that isn't, you know, isn't set up to treat sick people. Yeah. I, no, I, he doesn't explain anything and right. it makes it assumption that it's true and mm-hmm. it's it's not. But you see where you know you see where he is on the left. What he would uh, what he would do, right? You know right. what he says he would do, and he says the last couple of years of your life, which is what you know. I remember when my remember when my dad had to go in the hospital when um, he was like seventy, and yeah. I remember thinking, oh, thinking, oh wow, I hope mm. he comes out of me. I hope I want my dad to live. Yeah. Then my dad yeah. was in the hospital again when he was mm. 85. Yeah, yeah. Now my dad will be 97 in a couple of months. Yeah. Who decides what the last couple of years of your life are? Right. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I thought what was interesting was, uh, you know, Biden and his uh, drive-by uh, of uh, the border on uh, on Sunday mm-hmm. was and we had played yesterday a number of clips from some of the local affiliates at El Paso saying he's not doing anything this is a dog and pony show this right. isn't right. and this from the the local and and uh CNN the coverage they did on it what i saw uh was basically negative i want to play let me play this audio cut here where they talked to the uh democratic mayor of uh of El Paso Mayor, one question has been about what the president didn't see, because from our reports on the ground, our reporters are with him. He didn't actually come face to face with any of the migrants there. And we know that there are hundreds of migrants, of course. We've seen them sleeping on the streets of El Paso. So did he get a sufficient view of the humanitarian crisis aspect of this? Well, he didn't. Mayor, one question has been about what the Uh, president. Sorry, sorry. He didn't. So. All right. Yeah. I mean. And and we knew it. I mean, it's and you look at it. Uh, and I didn't see much positive, even from Democrats. It's almost as if everybody was silent on it. Everybody knew this was just uh, as what, where did I see this? Who Somebody wrote, oh, he's just checking off the list. OK, I've got to go to the border because everybody says I've never been to the border. So I'll just go to the border. I won't do anything. Which is something we brought up. Yeah. And then I did see where Biden said, well, uh, I'll make sure that the resources are there and. I saw an interview with the uh, head of the Texas Department of Public Safety, which is the basically the state police yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he came out and said, we don't need it's, this isn't money about money. It's about policy. Right. 
Money doesn't do anything here. You need to do something right. about this. What, what do we need to do with the money? Well, we need to process people faster into the United States to get asylum. No, that doesn't solve the problem. That brings in more people. You need to stop what you're doing. Right. You need to say, no, the border really is closed and mm-hmm. nobody gets through. And if you want asylum, you've got to wait for it. Right. Until we've, until, until people around the world take us seriously that we are going to close the border. You've got to do it. Yep. There's no other way. There's no other way. And he's not going to do that. So there was the El Paso Democratic mayor who says, well, no, he he didn't really go. And we played the local reporters yesterday saying this is a dog and pony show. Nothing's being accomplished here. He's not going to where really the problems, you know, the, the problem uh, is. I did like him walking by that huge wall. Was that the wall? There's the photo of him walking, and there's a huge wall next to him. Is that actually the border wall? Because the symbolism, I don't know if that's the Trump border wall, but the symbolism was because it was like, oh, he's walking right next to what has actually helped those areas, and that would be the huge border wall. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually a was a was a yeah, and an I official barrier or if it was just a wall in a yeah, location near the border. Right, I I, I, I couldn't tell either. Yeah. But it, but I I can tell you how it was being used, <laughs> right, by the Republicans. So have them stand in front. Have them stand like they thought, like the Democrats thought that was a good idea, right? Well, have them walk by the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make them look strong with independence. Said nobody. And here's the problem: you just touched on something. You know, sending the message to everyone around the world that our border is fixed. And he did the opposite with his visit. What he did is double down with a visit because nobody takes it seriously. And they know he's not going to change anything. Think about what is done when, like, Trump would visit the border, right? Uh, He visited uh, a number of times and they would announce, this is what we want to do, right? Biden isn't wasn't really announcing anything he wasn't convincing the world as as you said that we're doing something we're going to change our direction here on the border because a that's not ever going to happen as long as he's president and b it wasn't really the intent of his visit to begin with it really was about checking it off the list so that kareen jean pierre could read from the page that says well no he's now visited the border well, you uh, again, when the local media doesn't buy it, when the mayor doesn't buy it, you know, when the preamble to his visit is that the city has been sanitized and illegal immigrant encampments have been cleared out. And he doesn't announce anything except, OK, we'll send more money for what? And, you know, you look at it, you just say the public looked at this. Even the media looked at it. The media that did look at it, and CNN, for example, did. I don't know how MSNBC carried it. Uh, MSNBC, I don't Did they ignore it? Because hmm. hmm. to me, this was just more silence is what I saw. And if you were CNN, a lot of the CNN stuff was driven by, you know, what the local media was saying. 
that you know, and and they right. were saying the same yeah. things that right. okay, the the illegal immigrant encampments have been cleared. Is he really going into the you know, the the places where he where the the actual problem exists? Well, no. Well, then what is he doing? Right. Well, he went. Don't. But the president went. Oh, we can be. We can do this again. We can do this cigarette uh, uh, attorney. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Short. but he went. No, he no, he didn't go into places where the problem was. But he went into places where the problem wasn't. To see how you cure the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. This is what it looks like when the problem is no longer there. Right. <laughs> when there is no problem, this is what it looks like. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's. it was always going to be laughable. And the local media knew this last week. It was Tuesday or Wednesday when they started covering really heavily in El Paso the clearing of those uh you know the 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 camps and and where the illegal immigrants were hanging out on the streets and by thursday night into friday morning when we came in you know that basically was the story that they're cleaning up the streets for his visit they're going to sanitize this whole thing so he can walk in you know and wave, get his photo op, and and get gone. And you almost you got the impression that the local media that has been covering this huge problem was just furious. Well, that, yeah, my God, you right. know, because he just came in to pretend he's doing something, mm-hmm. and now he's leaving, and nothing gets solved at all. And there's no there's no plan, there's no solution. It's just the chaos continues, and that's a Democrat city, right? And then the continuation of the story. Of, you know, Colorado not going to send, you know, migrants to New York and Chicago. Mm. That can those stories continued into yesterday, and you're just shaking your head, saying that's how bad it is. That uh, Democrats are saying we can't handle. We're a sanctuary city. We invited, and that's the whole thing there. When you talk about that morality, we're a sanctuary city. We've invited all illegal immigrants to come here. We've invited anyone who uh, has come from outside this country, come here. Please come here. We're inviting you. We're creating a law that publicly states that we want you here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're here? Get out! Yeah. I mean, that's that's the logic. And the Biden administration, they believe they're winning on this. They don't win on the subject when you talk to the American people. But since they're still winning elections, they believe they're winning. Yes. <laughs> God. It's what a what a mess. No, it is. But yeah, that was uh that was really the fallout yesterday that I heard. Uh and it's the first thing I thought when I heard Biden say it, and then a couple hours later I saw the head of the department uh, or the uh, Department of Public Safety mm-hmm. of the state of Texas say we don't need resources. We need policy. Right. The policy, as long as this policy continues, uh, weren't the resources aren't going to be able to match the increase of illegal immigrants coming to the border. Right. We can't keep up with it. We need policy. Do the policy and the resources take care of itself. But 
Yeah, that it, it. We've said this before. Every Democrat listening knows it. You know it. If you're a Democrat, you know it. Biden wants the chaos at the border. Democrats want the chaos at the border. Democrats asked for the chaos at the border. Mm-hmm. Biden <laughs> made it known when he was running for president. He wanted the chaos at the border. He wanted the surge at the border. All Democrats know, all Democrats listening right now know this is exactly what your party wants. And you know that when the administration or Mayorka says that the border is secure, you know it's a lie. Yep. But you're okay if you're a Democrat. You're okay with the lie because you want to make, for some damn reason, you want to make many Democrat cities on the border go through hell. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's the reality of it. Well, I don't but, live there. Why should I care? But this is not a problem. Well, this is a problem we're trying to handle. Democrats want this problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. They and, want it. And the surge will continue. The surges will continue to grow between now and November of next year. Yep. They always do in warm weather. But as we ramp up to another presidential election... The thought is going to be for anybody who wants to come across that border, I better get it done now. If there's a new administration as of January of 25, things could change drastically. I better get across now. And that's going to continue to grow. And border cities and towns are going to continue to suffer. Border states are going to be overrun. You know, El Paso is a fairly sizable city. But I mean the stories from over the years. Uh, you know, with the, with the border problems they've had long before this. And now you add the surges in not just El Paso, of course, Del Rio, Laredo. All these other towns and the counties along the border are suffering and they don't have the resources. They can't do anything. They are absolutely overrun. And this administration doesn't care. They want this. It's quite the opposite. Not only do they not care, they want this to happen. this. This was by design. He promised it as a candidate, and he is delivering. He believes he won then. The party is still winning that he's getting the job done. This, for him, that's the real check mark here, is open border, not a visit to the border. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger uh, has ordered employees back to work. How I mean, dare you? I mean, bet not. I mean, they may still be working a little bit, but they need to come back 
to work four days a week. Yeah, working in the office. Right. A hybrid schedule. Okay. You know, I wondered. <laughs> you Because that's what companies right now are. There was a, this push of, okay, everybody back to work now. And then it was like, okay, uh, we said everybody back to work now. And then it was, <laughs> all right. We so, really mean it. <laughs> it, it. Don't make me come back there. <laughs> because then it was, okay, everybody back to work three days a week now. <laughs> what we meant to say was two days a week now. And, and I really don't know where that threshold is and if companies have lost it the ability to because right now in the it world the revolving door will knock you over it's spinning really fast because there's a need for those individuals and they know they can hop somewhere else and go nope i'm gonna go over here and they'll let me work from home you know every day of the week and at some point, you've got to you got to find that balance as a company and say, okay, but but we're not getting the job done. But people down the hall in certain departments are able to work from home. Now this is what they're running into, and but other people have to be there. Well, Disney's a huge company, right? So if you're an executive, that's one thing. If you're working in an office, if you're working in a park, you really have no choice. You've got to show up. You got to put on the Mickey Mouse costume and. And go out. (laughs) You know, that's what you do. But I don't know where that balance is. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and if you can't listen to our show live overnight, you find up. Okay. Uh, doggone it. I was up, but then Bob Iger said, I got to come to work. And you can't listen overnight, then listen while you're at work in the Disney offices. Exactly. <laughs> With your fellow cast members. Yes. Eric and I used to be cast members, just so you know. Yes. That's what they call employees. Yes. We uh, we used to work for Disney. Right. When did Disney sell us? Was that 2011? No. Before that. Man, was it 2011? I don't know. I remember I got 20, my, I never got to my 10-year pin with Disney. I got my uh, my five-year pin. Yeah, I got 11 years in. Because I remember I got the pin on the air. Somebody brought it in because I was doing my local show, and they said, you know, here's your five-year pin. And I went, oh, wow, goofy. They go, no, it's Pluto. It's Pluto. It's the other one. <laughs> it's like, happened on the air. It's like, 
<laughs> yeah. You need to know the company you're working for, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, no, I got uh, I got my Mickey Mouse pen for the tenure and a plaque. Because I then because I worked uh, for Disney. Well, it all depends whenever they sold it. So it had to be before 2010. Yeah. But yeah, but we it, actually it was because it was before the recession. Wow, so it goes back, yeah. It goes back to 2000, it would have been well no later than 2007 or 2008 okay. because I had 11 years in. Okay. And I I started here in 96. And it was funny because even then we would get calls. You guys work for a conservative right wing. <laughs> yeah, Remember yeah, that? And it was like yeah. we work for Disney. Yeah, <laughs> but they left us alone. That we were. I think. I think the radio division was sort of insignificant to Disney. <laughs> well, I think it was. Uh, I believe it was Bob Iger who said it. Somebody asked him about the radio division, either during a call or a press conference, an earnings call or a press conference one time. And he held up a DVD and said, any movie, any movie that we release. And I think he's trying to make the point that they've released a lot of movies that don't do great. <laughs> <laughs> any movie that we release in its first day of sales on DVD does more than the entire radio division does in an entire year. And I said to a friend when I saw that comment, Hey, we're being sold. <laughs> and it wasn't long. <laughs> well, the reason we brought it up is because uh, Disney uh, CEO Bob Iger is cracking down on remote work. Mm -hmm. uh, he told uh, hybrid corporate employees they will be required to work in the office for at least four days per week beginning on March 1st. Mm-hmm. He said, you've heard me say it many times, creativity is a heart and soul of who we are and what we do at Disney and in a creative uh, a business like ours, nothing can replace the ability to connect, observe, and create with peers that comes from being physically together, nor the opportunity to grow professionally uh, by learning from leaders. Iger is aiming to boast Disney's results after a dismal year uh shares of the of Disney have plunged nearly 40% over the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. Go woke, go broke. <clears throat> yep. And uh you know they used to call uh their animators imagineers. Mhm. Mm I could see and you know because it's all you know you have to be tech savvy these days. It's it's all about being tech savvy. I could see them uh getting offers <laughs> saying well, I'm imagineering a job over at DreamWorks. <laughs> Look, you know, when it comes to companies and and having people in-house, really ideas are better. Uh, you do get that if you've got uh, that, that chemistry and culture inside the workplace, uh, which is absolutely critical and necessary for any creative company, but, but all companies. This applies to all companies in terms of innovating, not just um, what you might create, not just your product, but the process itself, building a new process, becoming more efficient as a company. All of these ideas and and these um, uh, 
the back and forth that leads to better ideas and the implementation of better ideas is going to happen in the office. It's going to happen in the workplace. There are a few exceptions to that rule, and there, it could be, a, you know, who knows, generations down the road where most people are more productive working off-site. But clearly at Disney, they don't see that to be the case. And a lot of companies look at this right now, especially IT companies, and say, no, we've got to have, you know, that constant communication, which it, means yeah. you've got to be there. Because otherwise, what is it? We talked about this the other day. It's... Mm-hmm. um. All right, uh, can we set up a Zoom call for 4 p.m. today? Well, it's 10 in the morning. You want me to wait six hours? Well, if you're there in person, if you're there in the office, you stick your head around the corner or in, in somebody's office and go, hey, uh, we need to get this. Can we get this done? Or, right. you know, can yeah. that happen? And I've got an idea. What do you think of this? And and you can make things uh, uh happen inside of a an actual workflow the workflow itself is disrupted and again with few exceptions there are exceptions to that rule a lot of people that are given special projects i have someone very close to me who is responsible for for that and has to lay things out and they need isolation when they're in that mode when they're doing a special project they're not always doing special projects but when they're doing that they need to isolate and they can't have people buzzing around them and and disrupting them And we've talked about how we love being here at night. It's just us and our production crew. And, and, you know, we love that because radio operations during the day can be very busy and there are people in the hallways and it can be distracting at times. And so, you know, there is something to that. But in creating, in in the creation or implementation of uh, whether it's a process or a product or any type of innovation, that requires that that people have more direct communication. And right now, it is the case more than not that that is the efficiency there is is in person. When when this all and think about this, I mean, uh, in March, it'll be three years. <laughs> twenty twenty. So we're twenty twenty three. It'll be, you know, three years where, you know. They wanted us. I'll never forget waking up that night. I mean, I, and I wake up at ten o'clock, and I go, "You've emailed me." I go, and this this notice: check your email. You guys aren't coming in tonight. You're doing your shows at home. We're like, right? How? Right? <laughs> and to be clear, nobody was had tested positive. Well, they didn't no. have tests no. at the time. No, there was nothing. Nothing it like was, that. It was, it was. It was. We were all in brand new territory. <clears throat> And and our point was no matter you know no matter what, uh, we were staying in the studio whether they got us the equipment or not. Within a week's period, we said we don't care. We're not, and we don't want to do it. And to give you an example of it, uh, that uh, when TV did it, the audio quality was horrible. Mm-hmm. Remember watching TV and these mm-hmm. people? The, it, sometimes the picture quality wasn't great. Right. And I remember listening to other radio shows where all the hosts were at home. Yeah. You could, I could actually hear volume differences because the volume was so low, you know, the input of somebody at home. And team shows trying to do a show together mm-hmm. just didn't cut it. And the sound quality wasn't there. Right. And eventually our company, everybody who did a show had to come back to the studio. 
Yeah, it was after, it, that was a, a mandate. Right, after after a significant period of time. Mm-hmm. And we knew whenever you take whenever you're doing the technology and you're dealing with sound or you're de- you know audio or video, mm-hmm. once you change studios, which is in essence what you're doing, you don't know what the unknowns are. Right. And right. you and I have been in the business long enough where we didn't want to deal with it. We know what we have here. We know the known quantity. We know that we are very comfortable of being in the same room and doing it. We know the timing is critical. It's not just to, about creating audio. You can yeah. create audio from anywhere. It's the but the quality of the audio, mm-hmm. the the timing, especially when people. I think about you know what I you know my just my my phone and my 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 two small Bluetooth speakers, my two uh, Bose Bluetooth speakers that give me the most excellent sound on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving around and even, you know, listening to FM and hearing radio shows, and it was horrible. I'm like, yeah, you can't right. do that. Right. You right. can't give people right. a a product that doesn't measure up to what you had a month ago. Mm-hmm. And when people expect excellent sound quality, you can't do that. And I was always shocked at how long it took for everybody in the business to say, okay, everybody's got to come back to the studios again because it was just the product suffered, the, the actual yeah, quality right, of the product, right. which is the sound that you put out, exactly uh, right. Uh, right. suffered. So that was our thought. Well, and, our- and it wasn't obviously, you know, with our bosses, everything is it's not about a negotiation. But it, it, we insisted on that standard being there. And in order to make that happen... You know, there were obviously some um, protocols that we had to have in place and mm-hmm. and everything else. And the fact that we're a small crew anyway, and it's separated by rooms. You know, you and I are in the same room, and then the production crew is in another room. We could we could accommodate that within standards that were at that time in place anyway. Because the thought was never... Oh wow! I get to work from home, and that would be easier, right? Because would it be easier to work from home and do the? Yeah, it's boring as all get out. It would be easier, but it would be boring. (laughs) Oh, I, I, I and and I and I look at, you know, I think we both do. What would the process of getting ready for the show be? And I always thought uh, when I was looking at, you know, where my my studio would, you know, would be. I thought to myself, okay, I get up, I go to the kitchen, I make coffee. Well, I'm just going to, I'm not, you know, I don't need to take a shower. I don't need to, you know, I I don't need to, you know, get in, get into clothes and drive to work. Mm -hmm. I just need to sort of move over. I just knew the energy level was, I know for me, the energy level wasn't going to be there. And all I cared about was what I produced at work. Yeah, the fact of right. what would be eat would it be easier? Yeah, would I save money? Yeah, I drive twenty eight, twenty nine miles, depending on which way I come to work, both ways every day. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, but you know something? When I drive to work, just that time driving to work, I can organize in my head, you know, exactly you know, all the the topics we're going to be talking about and arrange it in my head. And yeah. I like that process of doing so. But for what, three weeks, I had to broadcast from my closet. Uh, yeah, I remember my yeah. um, my tool closet at home, 
which by the way is much better organized and has a lot more tools. I don't know how I did that. Um, but it was not the, the, the creative, uh, energy was not there. It can't be there. One of the, uh, the, uh, the Rogan podcast is number one in a hundred nations. And if you notice his guests come into the studio. Yeah. They're in studio. Yeah. Um, Snowden was one exception. And I think they, (laughs) for obvious reasons, uh, and they made some exceptions. I think during COVID, I, I didn't watch as much as I see or am exposed to now. I don't watch it all the time, but I see clips. But the point is, is that there is that standard and that studio that he has Mm -hmm. is set up for, to create that energy that he wants, uh, as they, you know, put that together for, us it's the same thing and in that three weeks it was um highly irritating yeah because it it, and i was exposed to covid repeatedly because uh uh, four members of my household had covid at the time and until they tested not a negative uh repeatedly um and i wasn't exposed re-exposed every day I, at that point, I didn't get COVID. I didn't get it until uh, a year ago this week, actually. Um, and I didn't, you know, it. I, I wasn't going to be able to come back. So it was three solid weeks. And it was, it was vastly different. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, businesses require innovation. They require every single day new ideas to be introduced into the process, into uh, the thought behind the implementation of the product or service uh, that they have and, and the presentation uh, of that. I, I understand that, you know, a lot of young people don't want to get a car. Hmm. And if they, during COVID, they might have got rid of their cars. And hmm. cars are expensive. Inflation is bad. So they don't want to do it. But hmm. I just find it amazing that it's like, no, I don't want to do it because it's not easier for me. I don't, I can't imagine saying that to a boss of mine and ever being employed ever. Right. I want in this job what's easier for me. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Bye. You have a choice. We have a choice. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Listen to Red Eye Radio wherever you are with the Red Eye Radio app. Available on Android and iPhone. Download it now from the App Store or by visiting us at RedEyeRadioShow.com. The team at Mercer Transport. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So, yeah, I just, uh, uh, Bob Iger, uh, four-day work week for uh, Disney employees. And that's been a huge thing, calling people back to work. You know, yeah, we right. we saw, was it uh, was it when the New York Times was uh, in their labor negotiations yeah. where they were like, yeah. absolutely not. We're not coming into right. work. We're not coming into work. They took away our free coffee. Um, <laughs> you know, but it... it I really do wonder where the future is and, and if this is just, you know, this moment in time 
and we kind of stumble as we get back to work. And then three to five years from now, it's all behind us. It, it depends on the industry. It depends on the position within any company and the job that can be done. Again, there are plenty of people in different roles that can work from home. And they can be very efficient working from home, possibly more efficient, possibly more productive. But clearly they see this at Disney and other companies see this as, okay, no, the workforce has to be here at least, at least four days a week. You know, I, I know self-starter salespeople mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they used to have, you know, an office near them. Then they said, well, we're shutting down the office and we'll have an office 150 miles away. Yeah. Uh, check in with us once a month. Right. You know, you come in once a month. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we talk every day and you're on the road. You're on the mm-hmm. road anyway. You must be on the road from your house. Right. And then come on in, you know, once a month and they'll drive 150 miles in to the main office, stay there for a day, even sometimes stay overnight for another day, but then come back and then they'll go back for another month. They Those are the in. types of people that are quite often working on weekends and working there because as you mentioned if you're a self-starter you're going to be motivated to get the job oh i'm talking about somebody who i know specifically Mm -hmm. who was doing that actually Mm -hmm. and that person was working seven days a week right the email was always on right and and it's not because well my boss is telling me to do it it's because the clients are telling him to do it the prospective sales that he's has the new clients they're the ones that made him work seven days a week well no i mean that's what the job entails you're going to have to do that to to do the job you know but you look for those self-starters that can do it and do it well hours a night and still not enough listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website red show.com and he's eric carley and i'm gary mcnamara 86690 red eye you know i was thinking that when, when we we're talking about the story of uh disney saying hey you got to come back to work at least four days a week that working the first shift as we do Mm-hmm. This isn't the third shift. We're no. the first shift of the day. That's right. But working what is traditionally known as the third shift, probably probably more than the daytime, uh, we have a significant number of listeners uh, who are saying, uh, when you work what is traditionally known as third shift, you have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. You don't get you gotta, to work. You, you get you to work. Go. You get to work from home when it's during the day, but if... You're working third shift, odds are you're at work. Well, it, I think that that may have been, we didn't hear directly back, uh, you know, uh, from the company. And so uh, when when we insisted on coming in, but I could see the meeting going, oh, wait, what shift are they on? Uh, the all night <laughs> shift. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, they can, we don't care. Yeah, they can go. Because. Oh, it's those guys? No, because that's what it seemed like as the, um, remember the essential employees 
thing that, you know, if you had a, an essential job, like, what do you do? I'm on the radio. And <laughs> I remember getting the letter. Yeah. We had a letter that we kept I'm pretty in our sure cars. Brian created that. Did he? I think it's a deep fake. Was, was that a deep fake? I don't think that was ever official. I think that I think that was our production crew just punking us on that. I think Brian <laughs> made that up. I think he bought something off eBay. I remember we had a letter. It looked official. Yeah. And, and it was like, oh, we, they always do. We, we kept it in. And I kept thinking to myself, I really don't have to remember this and put it in my other car, do I? It's like, oh, Brian convinced me. I He told me I had to tape it onto the window. <clears throat> But the, <laughs> but you know, Those, you but that was the, that was the time, mm-hmm. and we forget about this because mm-hmm. it wasn't a real long time that was going on. Right. But there was that time, and I don't know if it went on for whether it was just the two weeks, you know, in order to whatever beat the curve or whatever was that called? Knock flatten down, the curve. Flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was that time where you could only go out if you were going to work or going. That to the doctor or the supermarket, right? Or you know, or something. the bar or the liquor store. Well, because they were closed <laughs> for the first. Remember, they they all closed for a while. The, the liquor fr- stores that first weren't. Month. How dare you? No, the liquor stores <laughs> did. Remember, remember, because that was. Well, remember, we laughed about that. Yeah, that was. They were essential workers. Uh, essential. <laughs> what about liquor stores? Oh yeah, no, they, no. they stay open. Oh they for God's sake! Well, because essential. if you're going to ask lawmakers about that, they're going to go, oh yeah, no, 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 no. We vote for they. It was a unanimous in every case. Um, but every time you would, you know, have a conversation, you know, it's, it's like, you know, gosh, I have to go to work, and you know, some people don't have to go to work, and the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I yeah, I have to go to work too. When do you work? At, at midnight. Ow. It would be like, yeah, but you're just going in at midnight. One Nobody, of, nobody's out at midnight. One of my father's favorite things is he says, "You're a talk show host at midnight. You really don't work." <laughs> yeah, he, my dad says that to yeah. He loves saying that to yeah. me. He goes, yeah. hey, "You're a talk show host at midnight. You really don't work." Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna? When are you gonna get a real job? <laughs> yeah. It's... Thanks, Dad. Will you ever approve of me? <laughs> Come on. Are you ever gonna approve? It's. It is. You know. <laughs> It is interesting, though, because there was conversation about what they used to call it, telecommuting. Now that yeah. sounds that sounds real Star Trek-y, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I telecommute. What? When did they come up with that technology? <laughs> um, and, you know, that was working from home back in the day. And it was like <clears throat> one out of every thousand people you'd run into some, oh, no, I work from home. What? What kind of freak of nature are you? That's just weird. <laughs> and then in your mind, you're thinking, what do, you, what do they do? Sit around in their pajamas all day? And I had somebody in my family who has done that for years, is uh, an underwriter for uh, a major company and has always worked from home. And, you know, there was so that tendency was there to uh, every once in a while companies to and i think before covid we even did the the breakdown of all right what does it cost during covid i know we did the breakdown what's the cost per square foot of it for an employee yeah we and did blah blah yeah. blah and and um in terms of the costs then you have to measure the productivity versus the cost and everything else there are so many things that are changing right now you you're seeing what are they calling it the uh brick and mortar apocalypse 
and which, by the way, is over the top. I don't know that it's to the point of being an apocalypse. But you see a number of old brands right now, brick and mortar, where they're realigning and, and closing stores. And it's like, OK, yeah, uh, stores that aren't working, we're going to have to shut down on, brick, on the brick and mortar side. And beyond that, you know, you have the, OK, what is productive, what isn't? But the consumer of, of products and services, we've changed drastically about, you know, how, as to how we, you know, uh, go about our, our, our business and, and, and our personal lives, making purchases that, wait a minute, you're not going to bring it all, all the way to my door by tomorrow morning? <laughs> well, no, I'm going somewhere else to buy it. You know, like, I, you mean I'm going to have to get dressed and get in my car and drive two blocks and, and actually touch the product bring it out to my car and carry it into my house myself. And those are the types of changes, uh, shifts that, you know, uh, uh, change the, the supply chain and, and also change, um, how business is done in, in terms of brick and mortar retail. But I think a number of things, we expect certain things in today's world. You know, if your internet's not working for three seconds, you know, it's all gone to pot, right? Um, and that's what we, it's not just about an Amazon service per se. It's about that we expect it to go click, boom. Okay, I bought the, whatever it was I needed. It's going to be here tomorrow and move on with my day. It took 10 seconds to do. And those types of conveniences and creating an efficiency in our life as a consumer are things that I don't know how you match on every single level. There are a number of things that you're not going to be able to do. I think uh, delivery of restaurant food, I think, is still mediocre at best because you've got, uh, quite frankly, by the time it gets to your door, which is your plate, um, it's going to be on its way to cold, and it's not going to be fresh. It's not carried uh, you know, a few feet from the kitchen, uh, to your table. Uh, so I think there's, you know, certain things that are, you know, uh, going to be, uh, always going to be the same, but, but in terms of the consumer and, and how we consume things, then it's about, okay, how do those companies provide that? How do they produce whatever it is they're producing for the consuming public? And, and I don't know. I mean, I the the technology that they're talking about right now about you know what's going to be done and 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 so many intuitive technologies that'll be implemented, um, and and things they were talking about that didn't happen uh, for certain delivery services. They're still talking about drone deliveries, but it's only certain items, and it you have to live within a certain radius of a warehouse and they're going to drop this thing in your backyard and it's going, you know, so there are a number of things where they think they've got something and then all of a sudden it may not pan out. Well, you, I I was chuckling because when you were talking about, we expect delivery. I have a uh, part from one of my, or an accessory for my automated kitty litter, my computerized kitty litter 
and I've been anticipating it. It was supposed to come in by 5 o'clock last night by FedEx. Mm-hmm. But I went to sleep. When I woke up, I'm like, okay, let me check to see if it's you know on my phone. Is it here? No. It says, sorry, pending for, mm-hmm. to, for a future date. Mm-hmm. And I tracked it. I mean, tracked it all the way to Dallas. and mm-hmm. It never was out for delivery. Right. right. And was irritated by that. <laughs> it's like, well, come on. Well, why you get, and I just, when you were just talking, I checked, it's still pending. Why is it still pending nine hours later? Tell right. me it's on a truck at three in the right. morning and it's going to be delivered again today. I want to know because I knew more yesterday yeah. of what wasn't going to happen. Right. <laughs> or what was supposed to happen. And I know less today. And, but it's just where, and I'm sure this has happened before, but I'm sure. By the time I get home, probably at six o'clock, it'll be loaded on a truck. They'll have it mm-hmm. there. They just haven't, you know, they just haven't completed it yet. Uh, but it just shows you the mindset that you get in, and so that mindset's everywhere. We ex- we expect it. I look at somebody who is half my age, which would be in their younger thirties, and what they've been exposed to, and then the last few years, I see the inflation that they've experienced, uh, and you see the cost of of things, and you and I are constantly talking about it. How is the average person making it each and every day? This is really, really, really it's 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 bad, mm-hmm. and they don't want to buy a car. They right. don't, and so there is, you know, we, you know, I I know there's a tendency if you're my age with <clears throat> my experience, as I just said. What do you mean? I do what's easier for me. Well, easier for me could also be cheaper for me, a lot cheaper for me. And what you're offering me, you know, I'd rather I'd rather work at home. There could be there may be real world consequences for some of these people out there. There may be some people that just uh, I'd rather just work from home. I don't want to deal with people. Right. I, I, I just I, want, I don't want to deal with people. I want to have a couple of cocktails when I work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to yeah. be able to enjoy this and I can get the job done. So leave me alone. Other people, there's real world consequences that are, we're dealing with uh, with here. You and I talked last week. The the, the amount of people that are paying a thousand dollars a month for a car—that's mm-hmm. just the car payment. Mm-hmm. That's not the insurance. That's right. not you. That's you, not gas. That's not no. maintenance. It's it's not. And so if you have to drive that, and so they they, I think in many places you have young people that are. Well, I don't know if you're if more young people living with their parents. I don't know if I'd want to work from my parents' house if I was living with my parents. It's like, I'm here, no, work. Mm-hmm. No, get me out of here. Let, <laughs> let me get to work, please. Yeah. I gotta I have to be with them all the time. I don't need to work when I'm here. Yeah. Uh right. and uh but we've talked about that being increased, but a lot of young people and I know in some cities, you know, they're building these small studio apartments that are affordable. Maybe not in New York City, but I mean a lot of Midwestern cities, whatever, and they want to drive the people, you know, to the downtown areas. To live, work, and many of these young people, they don't want vehicles, right. and and so if they live, you know, they live downtown. Well, they want to be able to take public transportation, but they want their life. I can order, I can get an Uber, I can get everything done. It's that mentality you were talking about of getting that, you know, instant delivery or that delivery within not even a day anymore, within two or three hours. Well, I want it everywhere. I want to be able to walk out the door, get an Uber, go where I want to go. I don't want work to be far away. I don't want to have a right. a, a vehicle. Right. And part of it, you know, part of it is maybe you don't want the responsibility, but that could also be, I look at 
the cost of things. Now, maybe that's just my mindset, but I look at the cost of what it is to own a vehicle today, and I know that if I was in my younger 30s, I'd be driving a you know well-worn used car, and then I go back to my younger 30s, and I was driving, <laughs> even in my time, yeah, right. a vehicle that had probably 100,000 miles well, on it when I bought it. But but then you apply that to somebody who lives in a major metro area that's you know that commutes twenty or thirty miles each way, and then you add that wear and tear on a vehicle, and and you know I did the same thing. I always drove a beater. I've only purchased two brand new vehicles in my life, and so when you look at that, you know the cost of all right, I can get a you know you have to get a dependable used car, but it still has to be. Fairly new because you're going to be putting twenty twenty five thousand miles a year on it, and you're because you're living in a major metro area. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my daughters asked me. She said, "How do people afford to live?" She and her husband do okay, and they're buying a house. But she looks at the cost of everything. She says, "How do people afford it? Their their house they're buying is a little further out, so their commute's going to be longer. But they got a house that's a little less expensive, and they got a great deal." Because the market's going down, but I don't know the 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 future of working in a major metro area. I don't know how it's going to be afforded. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, you know, the uh, the Republicans uh, you know, passed their first piece of legislation that's not going to go anywhere, which would right. rescind the 87,000 IRS agents. Really interesting study was done. Who actually gets audited? Oh. Have it coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 